I don't want to say this too glibly, but friends, whatever happens on Tuesday, the sun will once again shine on Wednesday. And the world will continue on its course, whirling through space. You will get up and go to work and do whatever you need to do to fulfill normal obligations. And then Thursday will dawn, and Friday, and so on. You may be more happy or sad, relieved or fretful, encouraged or despondent. But whatever you will feel, you have felt before and you will feel again. And life will move into its next phase. That is not to say our nation doesn't have real challenges ahead. Or that our political culture is not broken. Or that social ills inspired by race, gender, and religious identity haven't been exposed and exploited. That's all true. And it's also true that all of us have a role to play in how we find national healing in days ahead. And I want to assert that you are not powerless in this regard. It seems to me that one excellent way forward requires reaching out to others in compassionate regard. I don't know if you happen to see or read the current most emailed New York Times article. Have you seen this? It's by the Dalai Lama and Arthur C. Brooks. The Dalai Lama, of course, Buddhist. Brooks is Christian. They wrote a piece entitled... Behind Our Anxiety, the Fear of Being Unneeded, in which they describe the encroaching malaise within, a, within the first world. They say, in the United States, Britain, and across the European continent, people are convulsed with political frustration and anxiety about the future. Refugees and migrants clamor for the chance to live in these safe, prosperous countries, But those who already live in those promised lands report great uneasiness about their own futures that seems to border on hopelessness. Why, they ask. A small hint comes from interesting research about how people thrive. In one shocking experiment, researchers found that senior citizens who didn't feel useful to others were nearly three times as likely to die prematurely as those who did feel useful. This speaks to a broader human truth. We all need to be needed. And they state that being needed does not entail selfish pride or unhealthy attachment to the worldly esteem of others. Rather, it consists of a natural human hunger to serve our fellow men and women. Virtually all the world's major religions teach that diligent work in the service of others is our highest nature and thus lies at the center of a happy life. 
Scientific surveys and studies confirm shared tenets of our faiths. Americans who prioritize doing good for others are almost twice as likely to say they are very happy about their lives. Interesting that this is the most emailed article today. It seems the Times editor situated this article propitiously just after All Saints Day on November 1st and just prior to the most contentious presidential election in modern history. I'm taking it as a small offering pointing the way forward for us. And you know, it got me thinking about the saints, so-called, living and dead, who we remember and celebrate with affectionate regard. Given that Jesus' great commandment to love God and neighbor is the focus of any thoughtfully engaged Christian, stands to reason the saints will reflect this commitment. And I imagine that if you gave this a thought, those you remember as among God's saints would reflect this in at least a small but meaningful measure. They touched your life and the lives of others somehow. I let my mind wander over my history. Among those no longer with us, my mother came to mind, who died a couple of years ago. And from Christ Church, (laughs) Betty came to mind. Betty Baker was a quiet but dynamic presence here for several decades. She supported my young family and me in important ways in our early days in the city 30 years ago. This predates most of you, but during the summer months, she turned our courtyard here into a neighborhood happening by collecting and selling used books, a kind of Strand Bookstore on Park Avenue. It grew into an opportunity for her to advertise her church home with many repeat customers. Her quick wit and personal warmth were quietly magnetic. Early on, I realized that Betty was a natural at building community, even among the more cynical elements of the Park Avenue crowd, the avenue on which she lived. With help from friends, she sponsored a dinner for the homeless who slept in our courtyard on Christmas and Thanksgiving each year, which in those days our courtyard was a veritable wall-to-wall cardboard hotel during the winter months. She had befriended most of them. A smart, accomplished, and worldly woman, Betty, never met anyone who couldn't be her friend. She embodied our value of dynamic hospitality. She was my teacher in this way, I tell you. 
Now nearly 10 years ago, when Betty was well into her 90s and her powers had been greatly diminished, I joined her at the bedside of her best friend, Flora, who was near death. Betty and I sat next to one another. And she reached over and took my hand when I prayed. But after I finished my words, the real prayer began. As Betty released my hand and took Flora's and began to lovingly stroke it. And she said, Flora, I I love you very much, and you know that God loves you. Soon you will be with God, who you know loves you very much. And soon I will be joining God, too. And God loves me very much. Everything's going to be all right. Remember, I love you, Flora, and God loves you. And everything will be all right. I remember this day very clearly. There have been a few pastoral occasions that have been more searingly emblazoned in my memory. This was one of them. It was hard to describe the spirit that filled the room after Betty prayed. It was as though in her diminished state, imbued with innocence, Betty spoke with astonishing confidence and clarity of what was true from a very deep place. She simply spoke what she knew. There were others in the room that day, and they felt a profound assurance settle among us that was deeply comforting, satisfying, and and I would say holy. Afterwards, we all marveled at this experience. And it brought to mind the night I received a call from Betty some years earlier during her husband's last hours of life. I went over to her apartment, and together with her daughter Elaine, we kept vigil until Bob released his last breath. And what struck me then was how grateful Betty was. I was struck by her overwhelming gratitude. And though there was sadness, I was also aware of joy leaking around the edges of the night. That same sense of joy was present in the room with her friend Flora. Now this might seem counterintuitive, given the circumstances. But I tell you, it was the joy that attaches to authentic love, the deepest variety, and the things that matter most of all. Joy attaches to that. The church has a long history of telling the stories of its saints. And by saints, let's be clear, we're speaking of anyone who has thrown in with the party of Jesus. That includes probably most of us. We tend to distance ourselves from that designation because saint would seem to denote some 
holier-than-thou type personality when in fact it includes, includes everyone who resembles us. Sisters and brothers and mothers and fathers, children and friends together, all with their warts and foibles, making their way in this world, loving God and neighbor for better and worse. Friends, I, I think it's really important to see ourselves in this light. When you try it on, you sense right away that it dignifies your existence. And the existence of the others who share your pew. You can actually feel it, I think. Look to the person to your right and to your left and attach the word saint and get over the sentimental mythologizing and recognize the real truth of the matter. There are no saints worthier than us. There is no one else to do the work to love than us. No one else. Just us. We're the ones God loves. Loves us beyond our wildest imaginings. And we're the ones that are called to share this grace with the world. You and me. Imagine that. St. Carl, imagine that. St. David, imagine that. St. Gary, imagine that. St. Nahal. Now I'll tell you, this grace has a wild and woolly dimension, as in Jesus instructing his friends. Did you hear it? Love your enemies. You up for that? Does the world need it? Do we need one another to do it? I can't do it on my own. I need your support and encouragement. I do. It does not come naturally to me to love my enemies. Do good to those who hate you and abuse you. Wow. Tell me that doesn't sound like a radical intervention in our current cultural moment. Loving God and neighbors, all of them, the work of the saints,